0: So nice to be with you guys today. Who was here this morning? Anyone be, was here this morning already? A few of you. Awesome. Good on you for being here two times. It's exciting. And uh, it's so good to be uh, in, uh, amongst a whole lot of people of faith. It's so, it's so awesome. You guys don't realize it because you get to be here all the time, right? But it's so cool to, be, to come in this morning, to come in this afternoon, just to, to praise God with people passionate about connecting with the reality of who Jesus is. It's so such a powerful thing to be part of. And sometimes, you know, we can forget that. true. Yeah, we can forget that. It's easy to forget how good things are while they're happening, right? Right? You forget how good the summer is until it's winter, true? Yeah. Then you're just like, oh, Jesus, take me back, you know? And it'd be a shame if we didn't realize just how powerful God is at work amongst us. Because sometimes you've been, if you've been here a while, you know it's two fast songs, two slow songs, a couple of notices. Right, and then you've got one more praise in you. (laughs) Right, and then someone gets up, waves their hands around, talks a lot. Right, that you sort of that's the the same thing. And and do you know what? It actually is pretty much the same thing all the time. But God's doing something different. God's wanting to do something different. God's transforming. God's working. And you know, God, I, I really believe just as I was just as I was coming in this afternoon, I just I really believe that God wants to impact people's lives. God does a whole lot of different things, so sometimes we just, God just influences us. He puts good people around us, and we hear a good thing each week, but I really believe that God actually wants to impact, and across, particularly across the fast, it's not really just about soaking in God's presence, but God actually wants to make an impact in where you're at, and He actually wants to shift some direction, and so I really believe that some of you need to open your heart and say, God, shift me if I need to be shifted. Move me if I need to be moved. Realign my focus so that I can achieve what you've called me to achieve. Amen. We have the logo in our church that's got an arrow in the middle of it. And the reason there's an arrow in the logo of a church, right? It's not about that little arrow is not about what we believe about Jesus. You know, most church logos are a cross of some sort. Right? That's their logo about what about Jesus. We've we've got a logo that's about the people in the church. And that's actually we don't believe that Equippers church is an arrow. We believe a quipper's church is a quiver. Everyone say quiver, quiver. right? That's what, that, if you don't know what that is, that's a place you keep arrows, right? And it's actually the arrow is about the people in the church. And in, in, in Isaiah, the Bible says that, that we are fashioned as an arrow, and God hides us in His hand, and He places us in His quiver, And I I believe 100% that God has a unique purpose for each and every individual on earth who's still breathing. Whether you know it or not, whether you're prepared to believe it or not. Even if you're here in this place tonight, or if you're anywhere tonight, and you think, I don't even believe in God. You know, God believes in you. God has a plan. God has a purpose for you, even that's bigger than your ability to disobey Him. God's plan and God's purpose is bigger than your ability to disobey Him. God will still use you for His purpose, whether you know it or not, whether you get the blessing from it or not. God will still work in and around you for His purpose because that's the definition of the word God. That means if there is a God, that's what He does because God is the God who's in control of things, who's working things, who's moving things in and around us. And it can be, we can be part of the flow of what God's doing or we can be working against it. We can be 100% working against it. Or we could be 1% working against it. Here's the trick when you've been in church for a while. You know how to look like you're 100% on board. Okay, don't nod your head, don't nod your head, don't give it away, don't give it away. We know how to look like we're 100% on board. But in moments where God speaks to us, God's not speaking to us much about the bits that are on board. Most of the time, God's speaking to us about the thing. You know, when you tune a guitar, the, the, the strings that are in tune, you just leave them. The process of tuning a guitar is identifying the bits that are off key and either stretching them up, putting them under more pressure, or loosening them off, right? And you know, that's what God does when he tunes our life. All the different strings, some of them are bang on, right? Fine, but God doesn't talk about those. doesn't mean they're not awesome, right? But God is addressing tonight some things that need tightening up, and He's identifying some things that need winding back in our life so that we can actually hit targets for God. Amen? Amen. Uh, Just ignore that first slide. I couldn't... Sometimes the title's the hardest part. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, I'll call it Begin Again. And then every time I look at it, I think it might be the when wait you, when we get to the end you'll see how dumb that title is is that all right oh, just trust me just tr- you know if i know dumb i know dumb so just trust me that's dumb okay i want to talk about this guy and oh, no, i want to talk first of all here we go you have to turn it on first you can you can live your life with, but like this you can wake up in the morning then you can see what happens then you can go to bed disappointed and then you can wake up in the morning and see what happens and then realize it's the same as yesterday. So get used to that. Then you go to bed, not quite so disappointed. Then you wake up in the morning, you see what happens. It's the same old story, different day of the week, pretty well normal, go to bed, and then then you're set. You can do that till you die, right? And a lot of people, a lot of people in the Western world, that's what New Zealand is part of, once you have a little bit of money, you, your mentality in life shifts, and you shift from an adventure mentality, and you shift to a hospice mentality. And what you do is you, you, you use all of your skill set, and all of your training, and all of your financial ability, all of the resources you have, you use those to keep yourself comfortable till the end. So some people, they, they drop the adventure in their teenage years. Some people drop the adventure in their 20s. Some people drop the adventure in their 30s. But for some people, that means for decades, all you're really doing with your energy, with your gifts, with your skills, with your vision, with your focus, is keeping yourself comfortable in the right sort of house, in the right sort of neighborhood, in the right sort of clothes, eating the right sort of food, going on the right sort of holidays, having the right sort of boat, having a nice batch. And you keep yourself comfortable until the end. Some people are self-enrolling in hospice at 25. But this is a different way. You could seize life. That means to grab hold of it as if it didn't want you to get it. Chase it down. Catch it. Oh, I've just got no life. You, You don't get a life. You have to go and catch one. You have to hunt it. You have to find it. It's hiding in the bushes. You've got to sneak, it's ready to run away from you and leave you in the hospice. You've got to catch it and escape, right? This is biblical proof that the fast is not correct. It's on there on the screen. Eat bread with gusto. How many paleo diet people have got here? You're wrong, you're just wrong. Eat bread with gusto. And I was looking in Genesis, I was looking into the Hebrew of this word gusto, and it seems to, it seems to point towards the idea of just a little bit of tomato sauce, some mozzarella, and some basil. That's, that's what it means to eat bread with gusto, right? Drink wine, not the whole box of the Blenheimer, but drink wine with a robust heart. God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively. Come on, stand up, Scott. Dress festively. (laughs) Every morning, stand up, Scott. Look at this. This is where you, even if you're Scott, you can build up from here. I'll talk it through for you. It says, so stay there, Scott. I chose you because you've got that model physique. Spin around face there. So it says you should, don't, don't skimp. There's two things the Bible would teach you about fashion. Both of these things, Pastor Scott, is sorely lacking in. It says, don't skimp on colors and scarves. Two things you need to get into. I know if Pastor Ed was here, this would be a totally different sermon. Shout out to Pastor Ed with a scarf on, no doubt. Don't skimp on scarves and colors, right? Now, I'm not a big colors sort of guy, but what I've started with is you can, from Kmart, Kmart, that's one of your shops. Is that one of your brands? Me and Scott is from Thames. I'm from a southern, more southern version called Paraparam. It's the same thing in a different place. Grab a seat, Scott. But the tip is this, $12 for a pack, a packet of these. I think it's in total eight socks, so two, four pairs, right? And very colorful. That's why I've started. Also underpants, I'll keep them to myself. But um, you got to start somewhere small and allow God to develop your skills, Okay. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. Relish life with the spouse you love. If you're married, you can read between the lines. Each and every day of your precarious life, right? Because each day is God's gift. And it's all you get. (laughs) For the hard work of staying alive, if you can stay alive all of today, do you know what you get as a prize? Tomorrow. So you should grab hold of the day, make the most of it, grab whatever turns up, grab it and do it. And heartily, this is your last and only chance at life. There's neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead where you are surely headed. Amen. People love it when I preach because it's encouraging. Nobody talks about dying as much as Christians do. Have you noticed this? My non-Christian friends, they never talk about dying. They talk about so-and-so passed away and we never speak of that person again. Christians, we always talk about, oh, well, you gotta get it done while you're alive. You can't take it with you. There's, you don't know the day or the hour. What are we? we're, not, we're not, Christians aren't pessimists about life. We're the ultimate optimists. We understand you only have today. No, but None of you know whether tomorrow even exists. It's only an idea for all of us. In the morning, it'd be like, wow, our idea came true. (laughs) We had a dream about tomorrow and here it is. One of my favorite things to say to people is, are you living the dream? And it's just become a habit thing that I say, are you living the dream? And some people are like, oh. And I have to remind them, a nightmare is a type of dream. (laughs) Are you living the dream? Here yeah, we are. We're living out. We only dreamed about today, but here we are in it. Right. We're only dreaming about tomorrow, but let's, God willing, we'll be in it, and we'll be grabbing it, and we'll be engaging in what God's called us to, because we're spirit-led, because there's something inside of us that's on fire, because God is moving within us. Good. 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 Yeah. Hey, yeah. Is it, isn't he? Yeah? Oh, I just heard there was supper after. That's why I'm here. Well, that's oh, that's good enough. Okay, go to the next level. Come on, what could God have for you? It's interesting. I like this guy. Uh, this is another. I did some. I showed some of my paintings in the morning service. Another one of my pieces here. I use a range of nom de plumes. Uh, this is I painted under the name Boccacelli. Any uh, anyhow. This this is the Apostle Paul. You notice he has a sword. If you saw Peter this morning, he wasn't allowed a sword anymore. This is Paul's allowed the sword. And he's got a, he's got a book under his arm. And that's the equivalent of having your iPad. Because when Paul started writing books, cool people weren't doing it. Like it was, only business people writing books, not thinkers. And he started writing books because it was this new technology. And he thought, if I can, I can grab this new technology, I can write in these books and I'll get my sermons out. Because what he'd do is he'd write in the book and then he'd give it to one of his mates to go to a town that he couldn't get to, and his mate would go there, like Timothy or Epaphroditus would go there, and they didn't hand out the book for two reasons. There was no photocopier, and the other reason is most people couldn't read, right? So Timothy would stand up with the writings, and then he would act it out as if he was Paul. He would use Paul's accent, Paul's jokes. He would hunch over like Paul. He'd point at them. I'm just imagining these ones now, right? It was like the original live stream, but it, and those books, it would be even better. We should do live stream like that. I'll preach this. You drive out. One of you drive out south and pretend to be me. <laughs> volunteers? Any volunteers? Uh, there's not many people qualified. We'd need to hit you on the head really hard before we send you. But, uh, but these books that Paul wrote that became the original live stream versions of sermons, he was writing them because he couldn't get there because he was stuck in prison. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written them at all. He was just trying to reach out further. And they happened to become the Bible. The book of Romans, Ephesians, Philippians. These were books that Paul wrote because he couldn't go and visit the church. He didn't really care about writing. He just writing on the way. And, and God used his little side project to build a Bible that could be the foundation for a system of thought that's literally transformed the world. Paul wasn't even trying to do that. In fact, the book of Romans, which is one of the most systematic pieces of theology theology, theology in the New Testament, he wrote that book to the Roman church to raise some money so he could get to Spain. It was a fundraising letter. And God's like, that's a really good piece of theology he's written there. We'll use that in the Bible. We'll file that in the Bible thing. That's really good. But But the Apostle Paul wasn't trying to write the Bible. He was trying to transform the whole world. And God used these side things that happened on the way to transform the whole world. Right, without a doubt, the Apostle Paul's the most influential Christian to ever have lived. And possibly, hard to win, not hard to win the argument that he's the most influential human being to ever have lived. You know this idea of of individual human rights and 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote. These ideas are based on the writings of Paul. You know the idea that women should be paid the same amount as men? Based on the ideas of Paul. You know the idea that I don't have to go to church if I don't want to go to church? It's in the Bible. Individual freedoms that our whole society is built on are in his writings. Without... The Apostle Paul, there's no Martin Luther, and there's no Martin Luther King Jr. Because it's Paul who wrote, God has broken down every dividing wall. There's no slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, nor Greek, nor Roman, right? It's Paul who wrote that thing down. He's this influential human being who's transformed our lives in ways we'll never fully understand. Possibly without the Apostle Paul, there's no uh, renaissance, there's no scientific revolution, there's no information technology revolution. It was driven by his thinking that created the economies that we live in that have shaped our lives today. We can't be as influential as the Apostle Paul, but he's just one arrow. He had one target we have one, I'm one arrow, I've got one target, Matt's one arrow, he's got one target, probably Matt has got two or three targets, he's a pretty high achieving character. The reality is for all of us, we've got something to hit, correct? This is what it started out like for Paul. So his name was first of all Saul, that's a whole other story, but he was uttering out threats everywhere he went. He's threatening the church and he gets these letters and he's gonna to go to Damascus outside of Jerusalem. That's where a the, the, lot of the Christians had fled to all these other cities. So he's like, I'm gonna chase them down. So he gets these letters to go to Damascus, to authority, to find the followers of the way. That's the first name for Christianity. It's still the best name. Christianity is not a belief system. It's a way. It's a way you live a day. Because the word way and the word day are uniquely connected in all of our thinking. A way is not more than a day. A way is how I'm gonna to live today and how I'm gonna to live tomorrow, right? It's a day, it's a way, the way of Jesus, right? And he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem, men and women, he wants to bring them back in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He, he's impacted by the presence of God. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says back, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, who replied? No, it says they're the voice, okay? I just want you to pay attention to what we're actually reading here. This is a person hearing voices. Same as you and me, right? The issue isn't that you have voices in your head. The issue is which ones are you listening to, right? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you all of the time. But it's just a voice in my head. Is it? It is until you obey and then it becomes the leading of God, or it was a voice in your head. You have to decide beforehand, right? Is God speaking? Is God speaking to you? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless because they heard a sound of somebody talking, they heard a something or rather. But Paul hears a voice. Do you know I wonder how many Christians in church hear a sound of someone talking? But they don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to them. They see, oh yeah, no, how shout. was shout oh, it was awesome. There's all the sound it's amazing to be in the presence of God hear the sound of someone talking. But the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be someone in the crowd. He wants you to be someone in the middle of the story. So you don't just hear the sound of someone talking, but you hear the voice of God speaking to you. Why would God speak to me? Well, do you know what? One of the things you've got to remember is you're in a much better position than this guy. This is the guy God chose to use to change the world. How close is he to doing a good job of living a Christian life so far? So what he's doing is he's chasing Christians to capture them, putting them in prison. He's already murdered one. Well, he's only murdered one. (laughs) But I want to just put this to you. This person who God's choosing now and speaking to is a better person, than is a worse person than you. Far worse than you. I'm just going to make this assumption that most of you haven't yet killed your first Christian. Right? is laughing. Have you, is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> yeah. Here's the reality. This is why it's hard to start following Jesus. This is why it's hard to hear the voice of God. It's because you have to start out blind. The Bible says that when Paul hears this voice, It says he, this is the most profound thing in the Bible, I reckon. It says he opened his eyes and he couldn't see. Once he opened his eyes, he realized he was blind. The reason a lot of people think they can see is because they haven't yet opened their eyes. It's when God impacts you, when God impacts you, do you know what you will be after God impacts? You will be more confused, Because you get to, when you learn something new of God, you realize what you currently know wasn't the whole story. So you actually feel less informed because when God reveals Himself to you, you realize there's an infinite amount that you don't understand. And the tiny bit you do, you used to think was the whole story. Right? So when we open our eyes, we suddenly find out we're blind. And how many people like starting out blind? Elliot was learning to ride the skateboard because it's 2015 at the time. It's not how I learned to ride the skateboard. He learned to ride a skateboard by watching hours of YouTube content. This is how you do this, and this is how you do that, and this is how you do this, and this is how you do that. LearnToSkate.com. It's amazing. Except you still don't know how to skateboard. Right? Because you only know how to skateboard when you stand on the skateboard in the driveway. And then you start doing this. For hour after hour after hour after hour, and then you can do an ollie that high. <laughs> this is this is what I love about teenagers is teenagers are good at being blind. Ah, we'll see what happens. Right, and just get good at apologizing for knocking things over. But what happens for adults is we get less and less comfortable looking stupid. What I've learned to do is to start the day by looking in the mirror and building myself up by saying this, you already look stupid. You might as well just go for it. People already dislike you. You think that's crazy, but that's the freest place you can possibly be. I can literally stand up here and say whatever I want. I'm not going to because some of those things are unsavory, right? They're not beneficial, right? But some of us are still trapped with the feeling of, I don't want to get started because I'm going to look stupid. I heard God speak to me but I can't see where I'm going. I definitely heard God say, go into the city, but I'm blind. How does God expect me to go into the city if I'm blind? God expects you to get bruises on your knees. That's how he expects you to go. God expects you to trip. God expects you to stumble. God, but God is still expecting you to move forward into his purpose, and if you can't do it blind, you'll never do it at all because you never get to do something good first the first time and through to the 1,000th time that you do anything, you do it badly first. Every person who can walk has definitely fallen over tens of thousands of times. Every Christian who's moving into their purpose has definitely bumped into things on the way because they started out blind. The second thing you've got to learn how to do is you've got to learn how to face up to challenges. Oh, Start out blind. Paul gets into Damascus, and this amazing miracle happens. The slides for which are missing. And Ananias prays for him, and he can see again. And so then, check this out. Then Saul starts preaching, and his preaching becomes more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs. I love that. It doesn't say that the Jews in Damascus couldn't deny his passion. It says that Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs about Christ. Did you know you can prove Christ? There's actually logical reasons why it's intelligent to trust in Jesus. Do you know there's logical reasons to understand that if the Holy Spirit isn't keeping the world together, then nothing is. And that's what scientists believe. Nothing is. Well, why is that more logical than the the, the fact that we believe the Holy Spirit's keeping the world together? It's actually not, right? So they couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gates so that they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Do you like this guy? Somebody like, ah, oh, not, not really. So God knocks him off the horse, and then he, he walks into the city blind. Then he can he suddenly see and begins to preach, and as he begins to follow God's plan for him, suddenly his life's under threat. So he has to escape the city. So he gets up on the wall. He climbs into a basket, and off he goes, which is pretty awesome, isn't it? Except this bit here where he he climbs into a basket. If you've heard this story before, how many people have heard this before? You sort of think this is normal, right? At the end of the night, what we're all going to do is we're going to go to the top of the building, and then Pastor Matt and Pastor Scott are going to lower us over the edge in baskets. Because that's the only way to move forward into our promise. Yeah, it's in the Bible. We think this is normal, but it's not. Because um, if I had to get into the basket, this is the first thing I would say I'd say, Who made this basket? And then I'd be up on the city wall and be like, um, What about this basket? Is, who made this basket? Well, how many, how many, how many kilometers has this basket done? What's the, th- what's the theory behind this basket over here, right? And then once I found a basket that I felt was put together right, according to my basket-like preferences, that a basket I felt was going to make the journey over the wall safest and with the right amount of style, because we've got different values, right? <laughs> my next question would be, who made the ropes, well, what about these ropes? And what about, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm just prepared to admit this before everyone. I don't know a lot about first century rope making, but I, I'm pretty confident it's not as good as it is today. Right? Oh, who made these ropes? Who made those Oh, who made that? And then do you know what my final question would be? Uh, who are these clowns holding the ropes? Right? Can I see some numbers? I want to see a training diary from each of these characters. What qualifications have they got to be the official church rope-holding guys who do the basket lowering at the end of the services? Well, here's, because see, here's the challenge, is when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we embrace a new challenge, and let's say we're brave enough to start out blind, and then we become so powerful in it, what happens to the walls around us, those walls we built around us to protect ourselves, what do they do now? Is it like, you guys are that hungry? <laughs> nah, just that. Nah. Every single thing that makes you confident and secure at one point in your life, oh, I need to do this because it makes me confident. I need to do that that makes me confident. Oh, I need to do this because it makes me secure. At some point, you have to transcend that place of security and push out into the next thing. Very, very often when God begins a process in you, he, you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where you suddenly see more and then you begin to be more powerful and then the thing that prevents you is these securities that hold you back. It's, it's amazing uh, talking with people who are thinking of going to Bible college and all the walls around them that are trying to prevent them or people who are thinking of doing some more studies or starting a business or even some people thinking of getting married but they feel really insecure about the decision. But you know, right through your life will be a series of moments where you have to stand in a place of security and step forward into a basket. And you never can achieve the purpose that God's called for you. You'll never be able to move forward as everything God's got for you if you keep debating what's the best basket. If you keep having an opinion about rope making. And if you keep just quizzing the people on the wall of how far, you know, how long ago was it that they really went to the gym. I know they've got the little key tag on their keys, but, you know, really how good are they at this rope-lowering type scenario? See, uh, people my age, I'm 43, some of my friends are like, oh, you know, church is just sort of boring. I'm just like, well, I'm just not really getting anything out of it. I'm just like, oh two fast songs, two slow songs, sermon, Holy Spirit speaks to you, slap people on the back afterward, tell a few jokes in the foyer. I'm like, what are you trying to get out of it? What they're doing is they're they're, they're thinking, well, I don't really like that basket. So some Christians are like, I don't like that basket, I'm going to go to this basket, or I'm going to go to that basket, I'm going to go to this basket. Do you know what, it doesn't matter what basket, you've got to be in a basket, Right? And you've got to trust the people around you who are going to lower over the wall. Is Equippers Church the best church that's ever been invented? Is this the best way of doing church? No, it's our way. It's our basket. Yeah, it's right. It's right. right? If you want something that will get you out of your securities, that will, the securities that will ultimately kill you, if you want a way to escape the hospice in the middle of the night, this is us. This is what we do. Right. If you want someone to bust you out of the mental home, this is what we do, right? Bust you out of the prison of your attitudes, this is what we do. You want someone to break you out of of the confines of your culture, this is what we'll do. We'll meet you in the middle of the night in the building, we'll pray, we'll believe, and we'll lower you over the wall. And some of you will drop you, but that's just because the ropes get slippery. Because we're all people. And we'll just trust that you bounce at the bottom. And move on into the thing that God's called you to, and we'll call from the wall, sorry about that. And you can say, oh, I'm so offended about what happened in my last church. Well, they felt that you were a little heavy anyway. They were also offended. Great. Right? Well, my, my arms gave out, sorry, you know. I know so many people offended at church, they're like, that's the worst basket ever. Do you know what I think about baskets? They're all pretty dumb. <laughs> Do you know churches are all pretty dumb in comparison to the wonder of God? Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing, the wonder of God's plan. Paul went on from here and he plants this church in Europe. And it's the weirdest church ever that ever got planted. And it says that he was looking for a Jewish synagogue. There was none, so he was looking for a bunch of Jewish men. He couldn't find any. So he planted the church with a business woman who wasn't a Jew. That's amazing. No one cares what the basket was that got him into the next thing that opened up the gospel into Europe that ultimately led to the transformation of all of humanity through European culture as it's influenced the world. And even the the distorted versions of Christianity have blossomed and changed and become something phenomenal in all of the nation. Every single nation of the world has been influenced by the European Christianity as it's influenced across the, the whole planet. And Paul's on the wall going, I'm looking for the, this is really important, I'm looking for the perfect basket. No, you, you need to find the perfect plan of God for your life. And you know what? This is a basket that will get you over the wall. And we drop hardly anybody, hardly anyone, right? But you know, every, every, every single church has got problems. Not, I'm not talking about any specific things, right? I'm just talking about people. The basket's all woven out of people. I'm looking for a really good e-group. Do you know what? You just need to look for an e-group that meets each week. That's the. Do you know what? That's probably that definition of a good e-group: the ones that meet each week and people go to it, and the leader doesn't cancel all the time. That's a good one, right? You and someone with an internet connection who can watch a video and start a conversation. Oh, my e-group leader is not very good. Well, you start the conversation. My e-group leader is not very good. You bring tim tams. Like there's ways you can do it, right? Make it good. Because things like E group are the things that get you over the wall. You can have an an impact encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is fantastic, but matched with that, you need to trust the basket. You need to trust people to help you get into your destiny, to help you get into the next thing that God's got for you as you do what God's called you to do as part of His transformative plan for all of humanity. Amen.